welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Many of us want to take beautiful photographs. Most of us carry phones in our purse or pocket. Those phones all have cameras nowadays, and and point-and-shoot seems almost too easy. And easy it is. But getting good results is not always so easy. My guest today is a professional photographer. If you look at the photos in her website gallery, you won't argue that point. She has a unique background insofar as she's also a healing practitioner, and she uses that touch to bring out the essence of both the families and the business people she's photographed. Lately, she's been photographed She's been photographing it. She does a lot of that. She's been focusing on phone photography. She has a course that's been both well-received and incredibly beneficial to her clients. And today I'm going to pick her brain, as they say. I should have publicized this episode in advance to get your listener questions as well. Debbie Flynn, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Oh, it's wonderful to be here, Agnes. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. Yeah, and I'm so looking forward to this. I'm literally going to pick your brain. This is all about (laughs) me learning stuff. Debbie, I gave the two-line version of your background, but please share a bit more. Like, what led you to photography? And tell us about your career. Yes. A long time ago, uh, when I became a photographer, I was a single parent at the time and visiting my folks and trying to figure out what the next steps were. And had taken my son to a swimming pool to, you know, for at Christmas time to swim. And there was a woman photojournalist there taking photos and having a great time. And I introduced myself to her afterwards and we chatted because I was so intrigued by what she did to see, you know, a woman photojournalist at that time was, was unusual because it was about uh, it was 35 years ago. And, and she encouraged me and I ended up going and becoming a journalist and a photojournalist because of her. And throughout the years, I've had the opportunity to photograph all kinds of people and um, to participate as an artist with a women's photography collective. We showed our work. There were major exhibitions that we did and we called ourselves Femme Photo. And over the years, I've also been um, really enjoyed being able to show people's passion for their business through their business portraits. And I bring in this other way that I had of earning a living as a healing practitioner, which I don't do anymore. But to me, it's the two are interconnected so deeply because photography is when it's well done and when it's true, it's really an expression of who you are. And when someone is taking your photo, it needs to be 
it needs to portray that as well. And that doesn't necessarily happen because people don't understand. And I think it's, you know, when we're looking around on, uh, let's say we need someone to help us, a contractor of some kind, we want to know more about that person. And the first thing we look at is their photo. Like we'll do a search and we'll say, well, what does that person look like? Because you get a feeling of who they are. And if it's not there, then it kind of leaves you wondering. You know, it comes back to the idea of we want to feel safe. We want to be, um, we want to be able to connect with other people because that's the only way we have of knowing them. And so for me, that became absolutely essential that I start portraying that in, in the portraits I was doing of business owners. For the phone photography, that was another, another way of getting, uh, expanding my photography skills. Because when I originally got a phone camera or a, a cell phone, I thought this is going to be so much fun. I was looking so forward to it. I remember the day, you know, it was arrived in the morning. It was a spring day. It was sunny. It's like, I could hardly wait. And I go out and I'm taking photos. I was like, ooh, they were pretty bad. It was like, and it was, and it was embarrassing. Like I kept trying. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was like, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And I did not. So I studied with people that are really good phone photographers and developed my own personality um, through my photography on my phone and started having my photos liked when I shared them and realized, wow, there's something happening here because at the beginning, at the beginning, I really just wanted to share them with family and friends like I saw everybody else doing. And, you know, the, the joy of being able to do that because people have been asking me. So anyways, I gained the skills and then I brought in what I know as a professional photographer to be able to go the next level and go to, um, you know, be more artistic and be able to portray nature and people in a way that was interesting. And, and looking around and seeing, well, I think there's a real need out there for others because I noticed there was a sameness, a similarity. It was, I'll, it seemed that people were just going, well, this is what I, you know, this is what everybody does. So I guess this is how you do it, but it's not necessarily true, right? It's kind of, you remember back in the day when we had, used to have cameras and we call them snapshots. And that's what we, it reminded me of the photography. It was like just taking snapshots and I, and I really, having been a practitioner for so long, understanding that there's a mindfulness that's required. You know, what you're doing is you're putting yourself into that photo and photos that are crafted, that are exceptional, they have an essence to them that comes from being mindful and passionate and telling a story. And you can only do that if you take that time, you know, to really drop into it. Why do I want to take this photo? And what is it about this that, that is so attractive, even compelling, that I really want to take this photo? And how can I be different with it? How can I be playful and creative and artistic and have a really good time doing it? And you know what? After you, when you press the shutter, that all comes into play. So that the, the, the final photo that you have is something, oh, right, I was mindful, I was playful, I was bringing my passion in. You see that, and the people, the viewer afterwards sees that as well, and what a delight that is. Like, think about that, you know, to truly 
be able to portray who you are. So that's kind of where, that is where I've come to because for the past four years, I've specialized in teaching film photography and helping photographers to be able to take the photos they dream of taking. Because a lot of them come, they're frustrated, they're, they're unhappy. You know, it's like my husband is a way better photographer. I let him take all the photos or even kids. And, but they, you can tell they really want to be able to take their own photos. And so I inspire them in, an, in using, you know, processes that I've um, developed and in an easy hands-on way so that they're really engaged and they're getting it. And it's so amazing for me. It's extraordinary to watch them light up as they're, you know, as they're it's like, I didn't know that I could do this. Or, you know, with the kids, it's like they hold their phones right up to the, to the monitor. It's like, look what I did, right? It's just amazing to see that enthusiasm and excitement coming out. That's great. You and I spoke for just a couple of minutes before I hit the record button. And just as you've been talking now, like you've gotten so excited about what you do, which is really cool. <laughs> now, now, two thoughts as you were talking is one is, first of all, we can all feel so much better about our photographs if a professional photographer <laughs> actually started out with me photographs. Um, and yeah. also the, the, the second thought is, uh, you know, like, oh, it is learnable. Good. <laughs> Yeah, and the, you know, uh, we don't realize, but these are little devices, you know, they're miniature, and we just think, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's not a toy, but it's, we don't take it as seriously as we could, because it is a camera, and it has all the same features that cameras do. But if you don't know what they are, you know, if you don't understand exposure, or you don't understand how to crop, or even how to work with light that's available or how the, even the flash works or the timer, like these are simple things, but if you don't know where they are, you don't know what they do, then you're limiting yourself. And it's just like the same old, right? It's just sh hit the shutter. And it's just like, Oh yeah, that looks like the last one I took and I'm not happy with it. Whereas when you have the skills and you learn it as you would a camera, then it just gets easier and easier and you just get better at what you're, you know, what you, you get, you become happy and proud of what you're doing because you understand what you're doing. You know, I, I help people to have those skills. And I'd like to talk about the phone for a minute. New phones like my daughter has, have an amazing camera. I have an older phone, not yeah. so much. <laughs> Can you yeah. talk about phones and their cameras, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I really do want to talk about this. First of all, old, new, in-between cameras all have the same features. Except the, the, the cameras that are, you know, when you're getting into the iPhone 13, the Pro and Max and the Samsung, I don't know where it's at now, 20, 22, they have extra cameras added onto them. So the, the older ones just have one camera. The newer ones have two, three different cameras. And so they're adding lenses on, which is a whole different realm. But what you can do with your camera is still the same. When you look, when I looked at, when I went in the store and I was checking out the iPhone 13 Pro, I was saying, thinking to myself, but all the features are exactly the same. It's not as if they've added night 
mode, you know, which does some pretty cool things. They've added portrait mode when you can go into six different types from studio to um, stage, you know, to normal. But the basics, the foundation, which is what everybody photographs from, it's the same. It is the same. Having said that, though, they keep getting better and better, and they're extraordinary because the light sensor, it can capture so much more. So you have the clarity, you have colors that are true, you're able to um, take longer exposures where you would need a telephoto before. Those new lenses, you have a telephoto, you have wide angles, you have a regular lens. So it's kind of like, you know, you used to have clip-on, tiny little clip-on lenses. <laughs> and now you don't need them as much anymore because they're being built in. And the reason is because DSLRs were the way that we all thought of taking, you know, if you were a serious hobbyist or really enjoyed photography, aside from professionals, that's what you had. You had your DSLR camera. And these days, those companies are having a hard time because they're not getting the sales. They can't put the money into research and development. Whereas with cell phones, that's the way of the world. Everybody carries their phone with them. And when they travel or any event, anything special, that's what they use. They're not carrying lugging equipment around with them. It's just they reach in their, their bag or purse or pocket and boom, there they go. And the phones keep getting better and better because they have the money. They have the money to do it. And so the lenses on the, on our phone cameras are just incredible crisp, clear, color is true, as I said before, because I have to keep researching. Even though I'm, I have a really good idea about what the phones do and where things are located, I'm not an expert because I, I, it's not my job to keep up with that. So I refer people to, here's a really good link if you want to know more about what the features do. But I, I do see, and then I get to read the reviews and it's, it's interesting, and it's also the way we're going. Like, if you're, if you're not, if you don't, aren't using your camera, your phone camera, it's something you need to consider doing because it's the way of the world, really, now. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a question that it isn't really about photography, but my phone photos are huge files, and I don't want the file size so small that, you know, it turns granular the minute I put it up on my monitor, the big monitor, my big computer monitor. But five to eight megabytes per picture yeah. is like, is, is that changeable on the phone or? It is when you save it. The reason it's so big is because the light sensors are better and they're capturing more data, more information. And in order to do that, they need to have those mega, megas, right? Okay. Uh, megabytes in order to do that and they get bigger and bigger but when you do a save as so let's you take that photo and you send it to yourself you mail it you you share it it asks you save as and it gives you different file sizes yeah you do want one you don't want the tiniest but you want maybe like you don't want 150 kilobytes you want something that's in you know say around 600, 800 kilobytes, underneath one megabyte is ideal. If you want to do something with that photo later, 
you need to save it in the biggest file that you can so that you can edit it. So you have the information there. If you don't have the information and try to edit it later, then it's not going to turn out if you crop it. It's, you know, it'll just starting looking pixelated and grainy and blurry and yeah. yeah. I tend to download my photographs so they remain that big, huge size, but it's because of that big, huge size that I do download them regularly. But yeah, um, I would, I would suggest Agnes that take the very best photos. If you're going to do that, okay. the very best ones and just download those. And, and if you're, Keeping all of your photos, you're not alone. This is a really huge problem for everyone. Now, we have thousands of photos and they're not just on our phones, right? It was like, oh, i got to take care of this. You know, I had a client that I did a photo book for and it was very, very special, but she was so worried about the photos on her old computer that she couldn't even email me properly. It's like, well, what if something happens? She had them on, on sticks and disks and external drives and devices and laptops and computers. The first thing you want to do is consolidate them all in the cloud. So take all of them from everywhere. You don't need to sort through them because that's onerous and you can do that afterwards. And there are processes and that's something I help people with too, to do it with ease and speed. But you take it so that it's all in one place so it's safe and you can access it easily without having to sort through things. And it gives you the time as well. Yeah, that's what I recommend. You've just given me a great idea for a, like a Christmas present or something for my daughters. You know, they have literally thousands of photos of my grandchildren and they leave them on their phones. And yeah. I'm going, no, don't do that. So maybe. If yeah, and they them. get lost. You know, how many times have you been talking to somebody? It's like, just let me show you this photo. And we very politely stand there while they're scrolling for it. Wait, I know it's here, right? And so there are there are ways of organizing that as well and, and a process. And some of it comes from not knowing the difference between a good and a bad photo. It's, you know, I, I had a student once who said, I don't delete any of my photos ever because she didn't know, you know, she, she thought, okay, I know that one of these is better than the others, but she really didn't understand how to differentiate and tell. And then at the end of the course, she's saying, and you know what, Debbie, I now delete photos. Like it was huge for her. Huge. Yeah. It's interesting because what, what I used to do, because you want the good photos, especially of the grandchildren and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But when I was using the DSLR is I would use the sports setting so it would go yeah and within you know like 10 seconds I'd have 40 photos but then you don't delete 35 of them like you just keep them all 40 you know I know my logic was to get the the good one but uh, yeah so okay guilty as charged (laughs) yeah but you know and instead of being hard on ourselves right we, we think but it's so onerous I have so many photos to go through. How am I ever going to do this? So I have another way. And that is, don't be hard on yourself. Just start now. You know, you've got them all stored somewhere. And you can have a plan. Maybe once a week you go in and you set up the files. And then I do it by year. I start with year. And then by events. And then perhaps with people. And, you know, or places you've traveled. It's just like having a cabinet, a file cabinet, how would you 
put your files in there and you just chunk it down instead of this big got to do it all. It's going to take me weeks and days, you know, that's how I'm spending my Christmas holidays. And it's like, wow, I can think of better ways to spend my Christmas. <laughs> I don't watch TV, so it's a nice evening thing for me to do. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, so just starting where you are right now and then saying, okay, I'm going to be more committed to spending. Like I rec- I suggest people, you know, if you're stand- if you're waiting somewhere, even if you're on the phone or something, you've got five, ten minutes, take out your phone and go into the last group of photos you've taken and start going through them and just deleting them. Right. Instead of paying more money and getting those warnings. Oh, your iCloud is used up. Your phone is stopped. You know, I'm sure we've all had that or being stuck with trying to find that one photo. It's yeah, it's a lot. And it's well, it's so easy too. That's another thing. But deleting is easy as well. The delete is easy. Like the shutter is easy to use. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it funny how we just hate, hate getting rid of that stuff? Um, Okay, let's talk about taking pictures. I know enough to know that you need to frame the shot, but apparently my idea of framing a shot and aesthetics idea of framing a shot is slightly different. (laughs) Can you talk to us about framing, (laughs) please? Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. That's a huge topic. Huge. Okay, well. Because we we were talking about composition, but just briefly, just some tips. When, so at the beginning, I said it's really important to be playful and look around, you know, after coming into that place of asking yourself, why, why do I want this photo? Because a part of that is also, well, what am I going to portray? You know, if it's a happy, if you're this grandchildren, you want the light to be bright and happy, not dark and shadowy, you know, you're, so you're, you're considering that as well. This is part of framing it, you know, just an understanding. So where is the light? And where do you want it to be? You know, if it's inside, it tends to be dark. So turn on every single light you can. I don't, I'm not a fan of flash because it's quite harsh. You know, it can be uh, unless you use it properly because what it does is it focuses on the subject and then you've got this, it falls off. So you've got this black, you're surrounded by black around you. So when you're framing, Keep it really, really simple. So you've got your idea, you've got your subject, what you want to take a photo of, and then eliminate. It's, oh, is there something in the way? Is there, if you're outside, is there a fence? Is there a tree? Is there too much shrubbery? Is there a house? Maybe it's, uh, you're at a, for a walk on the beach. Are there too many people? Are they getting in your way? Or... Uh, do I need the do I need all of it in there? Do I need the ocean, the water, and the mountains? So just bring it, simplify it. Oh no, I just want this part because we have because we're so used to seeing things three sixty, and we need to just bring it in. Just you know, how can I just bring in part of that and do the best I can with what I know how to do it. And, and that will make a huge difference if you're looking at your light for starters, because things need to be lit properly and keeping it really, really simple. And then start looking at people that, whose photography you admire. What do they do? Even people that inspire you. Like, what, what are they doing? What is it about them that I like so much? Are they, is it the way they portray architecture or gardens or 
what they do, do they do with people? I am always looking at other photographers and I have a collection of slideshows because I use them in my courses, in my classes. And they're, they're different. They're very eclectic. They're very out of the box. I'm not the, oh, let's show another bald eagle, you know, um, kind of person. I want people to think differently, right? Because they think, oh, well, that's how you do it. Now, that's what everybody does, but we're all so unique. Yeah. What else would I suggest? Can I tell you a really quick story? Yeah, please. You and I are in the same part of the world. You will know Shimanas. I had my grandson up there over spring break, and I said, his parents didn't know where we were going. We were just out on an adventure. I said, let's catch them up on where we are. So I had him pose in front of one of the murals. And I said, no, no, just over here. And I'm rearranging myself and I'm rearranging his. And it looks like the horse is eating his hair. <laughs> and I did that on purpose. So, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's great. What a great idea. You see, to be aware of, of how you could use what was in front of you. So, you, you know, you always see people in front of landmarks, right? They're all there. They're, it's almost like a line. Yeah. Okay, right, got to get it. But what about if you're behind those people taking a picture of them, taking a picture of the monument or the landmark? Or what if you go up higher and, and look down, right? It's, it's, yeah, trying to see it differently or even moving over an inch. It can change everything. It's so amazing. You know, when I've taught kids, they are they get it quick as can be. It's like, yeah, get underneath. It's like, literally, they do take pictures underneath of things. And it's so different. So interesting. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm seeing this form and these colors that I would never have seen unless they did that. I think it's a way for us to be wildly creative that we really don't get. Yeah. Like if you could just take it, it's like, I just want to play for a while. What does this do? What does that do? How, you know, if I move around really fast, if I try hold my finger on the shutter, I'll get a bazillion photos, but one of them is going to be really cool, you know, because that's the burst mode. Like it's just going into that place of being childlike in a way and experimenting and um, instead of being so feeling you have to look a certain way and it has to, you're, and being hard on ourselves. I'm not good enough. My photos never turn out. You know, and, you, and, and another thing, too, I'll just address this, is when we're taking pictures of people, which is what, usually what we do a lot of with our phone cameras, please be really, really kind when you're taking photos of other people because of people, because in a way, we are traumatized because people have taken unflattering photos and they haven't meant to do it unkindly, but... They've posted photos without our permission for starters, even they, if it's your best friend or your family or husband, they still need to ask you if it's okay. And you still need to say, I like this photo and I don't like this photo of yourself. You need to be in choice instead of it being out there because it's not very nice. You know, it's just not a nice thing to do. And if you don't know how to take good pictures of people, I'd really recommend that you go and you, you study, you take a class on how to do that or you you start doing some research instead of just thinking well it's good enough the eyes are closed or they've got a funny look on their face or it's not very complimentary of them you know they're it's awkward and so just a follow-up question there then is I always say I am not photogenic 
I rarely see a picture of myself. I mean, there's, there's some, but I often don't see pictures of, of myself that I like. Can I blame a little bit of that on the photographer then? <laughs> you can. Okay. And, and it's also that you may have been, many of my clients are women. And many of them do not like having their photos taken. And it's something that now I want people to be well enough that they're okay with how they look. And so that I can work with them or not work with them, but be in a place that they can remember that what's important to them so that they can express that and stay, instead of being kind of stuck on how they look. And, you know, I often hear, oh, well, when I lose 10 pounds and, you know, I need to get my hair done and makeup and get a new outfit. And it's, it's not that. I think it starts when we're children because we didn't have a lot of photos taken of us, at least in my family, because it wasn't something you did. And my dad was a photographer and he worked away up north. So, you know, even less. And then there's the school photos. And there's nothing you can do about it. If it's a bad shot, you, it's kind of like you're stuck with it. And, and, and people, it, it's like that really imprints on people and they hold that and, it, and it's too bad. You know, so really, I really emphasize with all of my students, please just be really, just ask other people, do you mind if I use your photo? That is the best thing you can do. If you don't like having your photo taken, and then you're probably going to say, no, I don't want you to, to post my photo. I don't, even if you're in a group, it's like, no, I, you know, that is completely up to you, I think. And, you know, until we're well enough and healed enough that we can look at ourselves and say, but I love me, right? It, it comes back to that. You know, there was a time where I was going, but I'm getting older. I don't like the way I look in photos anymore got gray hair now it's turning more white and had some wrinkles I've got a double bit of a double chin and it's like you know I don't and it's like whoa I really had to start looking at that one what part of me don't I love you know that I won't so and who's this photo for you know they're photos for my family and friends and it's like well that's pretty selfish that I'm so caught up in me that I can't get out of myself long enough to just show up so that they can have a photo to remember me, right? It's, I don't know, it's interesting. And I've had to work with many, many people around that. And, and it's too bad because we are constantly shaming our society, our culture. Uh, you know, it's just, you've got to look a certain way. It's, it's constant, you're never good enough. And I, I just don't agree with that at all. Yeah. Does that help you at all, Agnes? Or? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that part of this conversation might be a really good segue into, I wanted to speak to your healing healing practitioner background. You made me think of something else insofar as if you want a good photo of you out on social media or wherever, uh, and you expect your friends to say, please may I, you need to return that favor and talk to them, uh, which was an interesting part of that healing thing that you mentioned. I don't know if if it's quite what you bring to your photography. When I was looking at the photographs in your photo gallery, I just called it a je ne sais quoi, that you have otters, you have a Canada goose, uh, a tide pool, a, a little girl in gumboots with, I think she had an umbrella or something. 
and it, it just had that feel to it. And is that part of what you bring to your photography with your healing practitioner background? Or is that just sheer talent? <laughs> or both? Well, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Well, there was just, a, I don't know, such a, it felt intimate, I guess, when I was looking at the photographs. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like you're really seeing me. Is that well, it, no, no, what was in the photograph? So it was just such, you captured a moment. And I just finished saying earlier that, you know, I would take the 40 photographs in the hope that I would catch the moment, that one moment. But there was just like looking at the photographs, like the Canada know. goose. I think she was standing on one leg with her, her head tucked. Yeah. Thing. And it was just, you felt like you were just right there. Oh, thank you for that, for that, for noticing that. And so I guess my question is, sorry, so I guess my question, yes, let's both talk together. I I guess what my question is, is that your talent as a professional photographer? And if it is, could you then speak to what you bring with your healing practitioner background? Okay. When I'm photographing, you know, as I've been talking about, I really, I'm in the moment and photography is the only art that you actually are in the moment when you're doing it. You, when you press the shutter, you're in the moment. You can't be anywhere else. You know, you're looking at it through the viewfinder, you're seeing it. So there'll be something that intrigues me, attracts me before I move into taking a photo. So with the, the Canada goose on the log, it was just having to wander by, walk by and just go, Oh, that's so different. You never see a Canada goose with its leg up, you know, like that, and its head is sleeping. Usually they're awake and they're honking, they're in the water, flying perhaps. And yeah, I took a number of photos. So with any of those, I will just drop in, take a photo, readjust if it's not exactly what, because I'm pre-planning. It's like, what would, you know, based on experience, how would that work? And right, because it's just natural. It's like any artist, you have a good sense of where you want the photo to go to. So as a bringing in as a healing practitioner, that was really taught me the ability to be present and to really step outside of myself and to just be still and listen. So I know that there are times when I'm being guided, it's something that's coming through. When I'm working with people, it's more, it just is a very natural way. I can just, I just had a client, she's doing something really, really interesting. She's opening a healing institute and she's turning 74. So, right. And she has big dreams and it's going to happen. She's extraordinary. And I photographed her before, but I know with her, you know, it's easy because we've done it before, but I just keep bringing her back to with my um, training, you know, as a practitioner, keeping her back to what is her, what is her dream? What is her vision? Why, why, how does she want to be showing up, you know, in these photos? And it's easier to work with people that understand that and remember that. So I have to, you know, if people just want to go in and get a quick head and shoulders and, um, you know, maybe a realtor shot. I'm not trying to label anybody, really, but that it probably would happen. Let's say there. a passport photograph. Yeah. 
A passport, yeah. You know, there's an expectation. It's not like, okay, I'm going to be remembering why I'm going on this trip and I have to look at a certain way and it, that would not be happening. Whereas they're given the time and I help them remember, I encourage them, I guide them, you know, to be in that place. It's really relaxed. It's easy um, instead of, oh, well, here, I'm just going to adjust you. And, you know, physically moving them around, I just kind of put them in place and then we move into what the inner, the inner that needs to come out from them. So we move through whatever, through our conversation, whatever's stopping them. If there's a limitation or false belief or, you know, this side's better or, you know, it's, we just move through it so that we get back to a place of remembering, why are you doing this? (laughs) Which ties back into what you said at the very beginning about taking photographs of families or a business person or something like that. One of us said or it. nature or yeah. your pet or your grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. Could apply to any of those. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows I come with notes um, and we've really been bouncing around my notes today. So I'm just going to go back because I wanted to mention that I've browsed around the editing app on my phone. I've played with it a bit. But it seems a little complicated. Is that op- <laughs> is that operator skill factor? <laughs> it is. It, oh, it, there's no. a lot there, it's, and it's you know you can be pulled in. It's like bells and whistles, right? It's like oh, there's so many things. What happens if I do this and do that? Maybe I'll do this one, and um, it it just ends up being a mishmash because it's not coherent in a way. There is a process. So if you look at it, if you went into a dark room and you were creating a photo using photo paper and then the larger, you would be going through a series of things. You would be cropping for starters. This is the only part of that image I want. Then you would be adjusting for color. You know, you would be looking at, is it warm enough? Is it cool enough? Is it, you know, are the shadows strong enough? Are they lighter? Do I not want it? There would be a lot of factors that you'd be considering. And so in your editing app, it's like you have a menu. You're going to the editing restaurant and it's giving you, you know, it's like, well, I'll try this and I'll try that. And I want this, but that's not the way. So if you were in a dark room, you would be following a process. And so in my program, I have a process. You do this first, then you do that, then you do this. Because if you don't, it skews everything else, right? If you decide, okay, I want to crop at the end, and you've done all this work, or you want to adjust the shadows or the darkness, and it, it just throws everything else off. And it, and it can be overdone because you just keep layering. Some of those are more elaborate, you know, like when you get into brilliance and vibrance and um, the filters, it's just, those are things that have a time and a place, but they don't necessarily apply all the time. Exposure would be something you'd want to work with all the time and cropping as well. Really, I think the best approach is to come from it with a solid understanding that when you initially took the photo, you had done everything you could to make sure it was in the best position you could possibly be. You know, the light was correct. You had deleted things that didn't add to it. So the composition was great. You know, you'd taken the time with that so that when you go to editing, it's just like you just tweak it. 
I like to refer to it, this is really my hope from people, is that they do such a good job with their photos that they, it's portfolio quality. So you in your phone library, you set up a folder and it says portfolio, and that all the photos that you take are so good that you put them into the portfolio, except with portfolios, you only have a very, very limited number of photos and they're your very best. You know, even back in the day, when I used to be going around to magazines and newspapers and showing my work, you know, I had my portfolio and it was the best of the best. And I'd spent hours in the dark room making sure that they were as perfect as they could be. And that's, I think, with editing, you first of all, you have to understand what each of those features done and there is an order to them. So I had a student and he was, he was bigger than life. You know, he liked everything big, bold. He was great. That was his personality. And so every class, because I like my students to submit their photos to me and I give them feedback and, and they find that really valuable. But every class, it was like, oh, that's really strong, you know, and that's really bright. He says, yeah. And after a while, it's like, isn't that great, Debbie? Because he knew I was going to say, but I think you could tone it down a bit. And he's, it was just him, but that was him. It's not everybody else. And we don't need to. When Photoshop first came out and I was looking at what professionals were creating, you know, calendars with, it looked like 3D. It looked like psychedelic almost. It was so bright, some of them, you know, and these were professionals. And it was like, I'm not going to touch Photoshop because it's just, it, it takes away the naturalness. It doesn't look real anymore. I mean, that's all changed and it's quite refined now and people understand, but I don't like the idea of going in and applying this mode over women's skin. So it's flawless, no wrinkles, no flaws, no freckles, no color. <laughs> it, it, you know, it doesn't, it, that doesn't work. I like them as natural as possible, but you have to know what you're doing in order to get that. Yeah. Does that help? It does. And I, I will chuckle because when I get in there playing, it is often, I still do some one-on-one -on -one work with uh, dementia clients. And to take photographs, any photograph that's yeah. on my camera and bring it up for them and then start applying all those. And I always just hit oh, you know, sure. return to natural. But they yeah. will often think it's hilarious or really cool or amazing or whatever. Oh, yeah, so sure. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. fun thing for that. But I will still yeah. have to yeah, go through and, and yeah. just spend the time learning and figuring it all out. I love the way you sort of threw out a few crumbs without giving away the farm. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that we haven't talked about phone photography that you think you know, should be out there just giving us enough on podcast so that we still have to go and find your course. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that's really important is that we have this amazing piece of equipment and for people to just go out and really enjoy themselves, really enjoy having it and having that available. And to remember to, even if you just have a moment, to remember to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Who, who is it going to be for? And if it's for yourself, it's very important that you are in a place where it's, it's 
really reflecting the moment because that's what they are. And when you look at it at the, at the end, you know, uh, let's say, you know, you have a 65th birthday or uh, a family reunion, or it's those moments, those treasured moments that are you going to be looking for, you know, like not the documentary, you know, this, we, we traveled here and this is the name of the restaurant. And this is what it was like at the restaurant, what we ate. It's more about how did I, where did I spend my time in my life? And this is what it's a reflection of. And you want that to be really on the inner, right? So when in that enjoying yourself, being playful and capturing those photos that's where you need to be coming from. And I also think that it's very important, especially these days when there's so much out there going on, we're in such chaos and it's so intense that this is another way that you can move through it. You know, if you're not have, if you're not feeling good, get outside and go for a walk and it could be 10 feet away from your front door and just move into the wonder of it all. You know, just help yourself to move through whatever. I have a slideshow that I use a professional photographer whose wife passed from breast cancer and he moved into a loft, sold the house, moved into a loft. And over the next while, every day, he took a photo from the loft and it's called Loft Views. If anybody wants to look it up, it's really extraordinary and it's really moving to see how he went through, you know, the grieving process and coming into a place of being able to heal and the different perspectives and ways that he saw his mm-hmm. life from the loft. You know, it betrays times of year and season and there's plants at some points around the frames of windows and snow and ice and, you know, weather happening. And even at one point, he's there's a fan and his feet in the photo in the loft. And, you know, it's it's a it's a beautiful way to be able to heal and express and bring in your emotions and move through them without stuffing them down or um, not being able to go through them, you know, because I think right now we're, uh, some of us could be numb. It's like oh, enough. I don't want to know anymore. I can't handle anymore. But it, we need a way, a form to be able to to get better, to really I don't want to say, because I do believe that we are in this time, in this place, that we chose it. And we are here to do something. We're to be here to be part of the solution. But when you're in a place of feeling fear or really negative, you can't, you can't move past that. So encouraging people to really just go out and take many, many photos and then See which ones out of those really resonate with you after you after you have them. Gaia, not all my photos are happy and joyful and light and bright. And I do have my own style and personality. I'm not trying to project onto in my work because artists do that. You know, you will look at some art and it's just they're just projecting where they're projecting onto you. And I don't want that. You know, I want to be clear. I want to be putting it out there from a place where I'm healthy enough that the people looking at it are going to understand, you know, and they won't feel like they're being violated in some way with the statement I'm making. So that was a long, no, that's long answer. It's great because I will admit when 
when I came into this conversation, I was sort of thinking that, you know, you will repeat the usual. Yeah, you want the mountains in the background and the lake in the middle and the foreground. But many of the tips you've given us have been like almost like anybody can do that part. But you've, you've just, yeah, no, I really appreciate a lot of the things you've said and shared with us. That's amazing. Tell us about this course, please. Yeah. So I have a program called Expressions One, and in it, people, you know, perhaps you have a new phone or you have a phone that you want to understand how to use it properly, phone camera, and how to edit your photos. Or there's a real longing for you to be able to, to have photos that you're proud of, you know, and to look like a professional, you know, to have the skills, the understanding um, of what the exceptional photographers do. So I go into that through training, through people, people actually developing the skills and the confidence to pick up their phone camera and just go, boom, I know exactly what I'm doing here. And if they don't, they've got they're all the resource materials there because you do have to practice. And that willingness has to be there too, as with anything. You know, you can take a program, a course, and if you don't put the time into it, you're not, you reap the benefits of it. And I also have, as I said throughout our conversation that I really enjoy being able to give students feedback on their work and it has to be current you know during the course itself I've had students that try and bring in old work (laughs) just to get the feedback and you know it's really helpful it's really helpful because you're in a group environment and the and people are so good to one another they encourage you and they get ideas themselves from what they see you're doing And no one is allowed to compare themselves to anybody else because, you know, that's such a problem for people. So it's more about, I want to see you. I want to see what you do. And it's done in a way that's easy and hands-on because I've been doing it. I've done it. I've taught hundreds of phone photographers at this point and from all different ages and groups and you know, even even particular groups where somebody will say, well, I have this fiber art group or I have an artist group or um, I have a, a blogging group. Can you come and do a, a group class with them? And it's, it's really amazing because I tailor it for where people are at. And um, it's it's really loaded, actually. I tend to to like even in, in this conversation with you. I've given you a lot of information <laughs> about what I'm doing. Yeah, I've given you a lot. And uh, I think it's so important just for people to start shifting and seeing things differently. So if you're if people are interested and want to know more, then Agnes is going to have the link in the notes later. And I would love to chat more with you about it if it's something well, that you're I'd considering. Well, I'd just like to interject yeah. here that you and I spoke last week um, just planning today's chat and you mentioned something then that I thought was pure genius Uh, when we talk about phone photography we often think about you know catching the grandchild or capturing the beautiful sunset something like that you also mentioned professionals who want to showcase their work on a website or um, in a conversation to entice future clients perhaps Um, you know whether it's a landscaper who you know pictures that finished garden to its best an artist who wants to to take the best picture of their art in order to sell it 
that concept is brilliant. Do you want to speak yeah. to that for a moment? Yeah. How I originally started coaching was I was at a, a Christmas party and we introduced ourselves to a couple of people we didn't know. And she said, when they learned I was a photographer, she went, my husband really has been talking about finding a photographer because he's a landscaper and he wants to be able to start taking better photos of his landscapes. And um, he doesn't know how he's got a great camera. And, and so I ended up teaching coaching this, this landscaper and his son, and we had the best time. And he was so pleased and his photos are all those photos are, are all over his website now. You know, it's just incredible what he does now. But that was the beginning. And it was like, of course, like everything from who you are, from your business portrait to what the environment of your business, you know, what does it look like? Is it a storefront? Is it in your home? What what can people expect if you're uh, a masseuse or a Reiki, you do energy work or you're a counselor or a coach? Like, what is that like? Can you show us where you sit and how do, how would I feel if I was sitting there? And I think that in type of environmental photography is so important rather than just, well, I'll just take a quick shot. They'll have an idea or maybe you have products that you produce. You know, you're an artist, you do jewelry or you do artwork and it's that you want it to look the very best. You want it to be lit properly. You know, you don't want it to have glare on the art or maybe it looks cluttered or you can't really see the object. Yeah, it's very important that you learn how to photograph it in its in the best light, in the best way. Yeah. I just thought it was such a genius idea. That's amazing. Okay, tell our listeners your website is... My website is debbieflynnphotography.com. That's great. And yes, all the links will be in the show notes. So that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, that's great. The listeners, if you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening. And of course, we can be found at Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, most places a person listens to podcasts. There's always the website, twoboomerwomen.com. To leave your comments there, click the Join the Conversation tab. Leave stars and reviews as they help us grow. And before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with two friends who need to know more about that phone and how to take the best possible photographs with it. We boomers often think of the grandchildren or our latest trip, but I still say that Debbie's idea of professionals learning the skill too is brilliant. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website too. Debbie Flynn, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today. And yes, sharing so many, so many great, great tips. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Agnes. It was, it was great to talk with you. It really was. You had great questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you have a great rest of the week. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.